listening to Thank You Five, a podcast devoted to Omaha's vibrant performing arts scene. My name is Dana Schweiger, and I've worked in Omaha theater for over 25 years. I'm sitting down with directors, performers, musicians, technicians, and designers to discuss their artistic talent, their passion, and why they continue to call Omaha home. Kate Wig grew up around Omaha theater to two parents who truly understood the power of the performing arts. Kate's paternal grandmother, Clara Ross, taught theater at South High. Kate's maternal grandfather performed all over town and wrote melodramas and other shows for the Rudyard Norton Theater. Kate's mom performed around town and throughout college, but then went on to pursue business interests. She reinvested herself in theater when Kate was in the sixth grade, and she became a foremost Omaha theater staple. To this day, Kate introduces herself as Barb Ross's daughter. Kate got her start in theater with Babes in Toyland at the Norton Theater in fifth grade. She did several productions at the Emmy Gifford Children's Theater. She also participated heavily in Central High School's drama program. Her senior year at Central, she became a high school intern at the Rose and did shows in the afternoons and on weekends while also teaching classes for them. She earned a scholarship into the performing arts program at St. Louis University and attended school while spending summers as a college intern at the Rose. She participated, either on stage or backstage, in every production available at SLU. She took classes in education to support her dream of working at the Rose, and her boyfriend, now husband, toured with the Rose's touring productions of several shows. When she was ready to graduate with a Bachelor of Performing Arts, she participated in a national cattle call audition for post-college jobs. She traveled to Minneapolis and Cleveland for callbacks and considered job offers there and in Rhode Island, but Omaha and the Rose had her heart. She came home with the offer of a full-time ensemble position at the Rose Theater with the expectation of teaching several classes, but mostly touring. After getting married, Kate realized that it was actually teaching at the Rose that made her the happiest. After getting her teaching degree through the Fast Track program at the College of St. Mary, she began teaching English at North High School. She moved into the drama position after her first semester teaching. She received the Theater Arts Guild Arts Educator of the Year Award her third year at North. She is currently the drama teacher at Lewis and Clark Middle School. Kate Wig, welcome to the Green Room. Thank you. I appreciate being here. We're going to start out with some basics. You are from Omaha originally. Yes, born and raised in Omaha. And you have a brother. I do. I have a younger brother. And his name is Will. Will, yeah. And you come from a very prolific performing arts background. For those who don't know, you are Barb Ross's daughter. I am Barb Ross's daughter. And that is how you introduce yourself. Mm -hmm. But is not only Barb who had the performing genes, Actually, her parents before her. And so can you talk to us a little bit about the performing arts background in your family? Yeah, it's actually funny because it's on both sides differently. My mom's parents were Ethel and Lou Kachira. And Lou Kachira wrote melodramas for the Rudyard Norton Theater. And he did theater all over town, the children's theater. And he did shows with my mom at the children's theater when she was younger. And then his picture is still up on the wall at the playhouse in their menagerie of scenes that they have in the lobby. Which uh, picture? 
I believe it's the one from 12 Angry Men. And I think it's early 60s. I actually never met my grandfather. He died when my mom was 19. So I never actually met him or got to be on stage with him. But he was all over Omaha. One of his heart attacks was actually between the second and third act of a show at the Norton. And I believe it was Rudyard Norton who had to go on for him on the third act while he went to the hospital. Oh, my. The show obviously wasn't going to stop. That would be ridiculous. Well, yeah. And so my grandmother on that side didn't do any theater. She actually worked for the public schools, not as a teacher, but in the tack. And then my father's mother was Clara Ross, and she was the drama teacher at South High and taught for years and years and years and had that passion. So while my father wasn't interested in performing at all, he did recognize the passion of a performer when he met my mother and and understood what that brought to a relationship and a person. And you started out fairly young performing. You did a lot of things at the Emmy Gifford. Is that correct? Yeah, I actually started out at the Norton. Okay. Babes in Toyland was my first show. And when I started to show some interest, my mom, she just didn't want to be a stage mom. And so she didn't push us at all. But when we started to show interest, she did know where to go to for auditions and things. And so Babes in Toyland was first. And then when I enjoyed that and liked it, then they started enrolling me in classes at the Emmy Gifford. And I did things like Snow Queen and Best Christmas Pageant. And then every single class that I could take. When you were young, did you, when you were, when you were a child, did you perform in any shows with your mom? No, I didn't. She wasn't performing at that time. She was fully into business at that point and had kind of backed away and given up performing. And my brother started to do shows actually. And he auditioned at the Playhouse for It's Not a Wrinkle in Time. It's the one about death being caught in the tree. And all of a sudden, I can't remember it, the name of it. But when he auditioned for that, she was there and they needed somebody to read for things. And that was when she got back into theater. And so I, but I didn't perform with her until after college and Liz Kendall Weiser did a show that allowed us to, to work together. So we know you did shows in the community when you were a child. Did you do any shows in grade school? Where did you go to grade school? I went to Minnelusa Elementary and then Nathan Hale Middle School in Central. I'm OPS born and raised. I'm an OPS girl. I mean, I was a cheese ball and a ham. And so, of course, if there was a little thing to read, I would do that. I don't remember specific grade school shows other than the concerts that they have for the holidays and things. And I remember reading parts in the plays in middle school, but not performing in those just, you know, in English class. And then you went to you said you went to Central. Mm -hmm. And then did you participate in the productions there? Yes, absolutely. I was all in at Central as well. And I almost went to Northwest. They talked a lot about that becoming a performing arts magnet. But a number of the kids from the Emmy Gifford were at Central. And so I felt comfortable there. I knew the people. I did a number of shows with Peggy Georgeson. Peggy Georgeson will tell you to this day that she is responsible for my marriage. <laughs> she introduced me to Chris Wig. And I was half and half. I was ROTC and theater, which everybody on both sides thought was really, really weird. But I was battalion commander by the time I was a senior for ROTC and the head of that program and then also doing theater things and a variety of them. I was mostly and still to this day, I'm mostly a character actress. I'm not the the lead, but 
but I'll be weird off to the side happily, joyfully. What was your, if you remember, favorite role that you did when you were at Central? At Central, it was Snoopy and You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. I just loved that role and I got it off of a really bad audition. Not a bad audition, actually a great audition when you come, when you think about it, but I forgot the words to the song in the middle of it. And like I said, I'm a character actress and, and it was all about selling it because I'm not going to hit every single note correctly all the time, but I will act the shit out of it <laughs> right through those mistakes. And, and that was when I really learned that you can screw up and still do good things because I screwed up, but I screwed up big and I screwed up and, and owned it and just was really joyful with it. And that, that led to me being cast as Snoopy. And that was a really fun role. I was Snoopy and you're a good man, Charlie Brown, but I don't remember if it was grade school. I wasn't high school and I don't think it was called. So it, it must have been grade school. And it must have been like seventh or eighth grade because I remember there was like a, like they took like a publicity photo of me, like with my mouth open, like trying to grab a ball. Yep. You know, <laughs> I seem to have some weird memory of that. Probably in the baseball scene. Probably in the baseball scene. Exactly. Good show. Exactly. So you graduated from Central in what year? I graduated in 96. And then you went to St. Louis University to study theater. Yes. My goal, I was working at the Emmy Gifford all the way through high school. And then I was a high school intern the year that they moved to the Rose. So I was part of the actual lugging boxes from the Emmy Gifford to the Rose and seeing that huge place take shape. What did you... What were some of your duties at the Emmy Gifford? I was teaching classes by that time and helping younger students. We were a part of the shows. Like I remember I was a Smurf in Inspector Gadget during the day because I would go to school and then I would go do shows at the Emmy Gifford. And so part of it was, you know, the free labor and the learning experience of existing there. And then that was a hectic year because we were literally moving from one space to another and the rose was so huge. And so there was a lot of leading tours for new people and showing the building and talking to donors and, and literally unpacking boxes and getting things ready. So, so you did that and then you went to St. Louis University. Yes. I'm assuming since you were going there for performance that you participated in shows there as well. Yes, absolutely. It was actually Robin Munger at the time who she allowed me. We didn't have a thespian society at Central and she let me go with her thespian society to the International Thespian Convention where I could audition for a number of different colleges all at once. Mark Landis and Jim Burwinkle saw me and to this day, they remind me of the two guys in the Mickey's Christmas Carol who are asking for money from Scrooge. Like they or that exact, if you look at that picture of the one tall and the one a little bit shorter, that's exactly what they look like sitting at the table <laughs> at SLU. And they offered me a chance to come and, and, and they would pay for part of college and, and would allow me to do theater. So I dove completely into that. We, we did classes in the morning. SLU was also great because my father liked it because it was a really well-rounded education and I was going to get English and science and all of the pieces. It was a very notable education in college. And so I would do classes in the morning that were kind of your normal undergrad classes. And then all afternoon would be theater classes. And then you would eat and then you'd come back and everybody worked a tech job. Everybody rehearsed. 
So you might rehearse or you might do a tech from three to six and then rehearse from six to ten and then go party <laughs> and, and then come back for class at eight in the morning. Typical. Right. Typical. And we liked being with each other. So you exactly. Know, Let's take a moment to talk about the importance of having that well-rounded theater education, not just performing, but the tech side, whether it be lighting, scenic design, costumes, props, stage management, a financial aspect of it. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of having going through a program and being well-rounded in all of those things? There are so many reasons why I think it's important to know all the pieces. And, you know, one of them is if you want to break into the business, everybody wants to be an actor. There are a dime a dozen and, and even really great ones. There's a lot around who want roles. But if you're the person who can also come in and help paint the set or you're capable of running a fantastic front of house lobby and making the change correctly, or you can help be a dresser. It's a great way to get your foot in the door and have something that that is offered by just you and not anybody else. I also teach it because it's a respect piece. And in my classroom, we go over and teach these pieces. All of my techies have to get on stage because you have to know how terrifying it is to be up there on your own. And all of my actors have to do tech. Because you have to know who is supporting you and how hard that is and what kind of work that is and and the intensity and the intelligence that goes into that and the research that goes into those pieces. But I also think that it helped me with things like balancing a budget as a human person because I was able to do that math because I had practiced giving change. I can hang something on my wall because I know how to use a drill. All of these skills go into your everyday life, I think, as much as it's just part of respect and and being a part of a whole. And then for me, it was just it turned into such a passion. There was so much research and intensity that went into. I made this stupid prop for my first show and this guy in the middle of the show, there's a snap and he's turned into a pile of ashes. And so my job was to create a pile of ashes that could be on stage. And I was a freshman doing this show and I had no idea how to create that and make it stable. But the people who were ahead of me showed me how to work with chicken wire and showed me how to hot glue and showed me how to screw things in that would allow chicken wire to stay to the base that I had and showed me how to use sawdust to sprinkle in with glue to make it have the right shape and and look and then how to paint and highlight that. And that was just magical to me, the 15 steps that it took to create this one piece. And because everybody cared enough to do it beautifully, it made this moment in the show so much more real. That support was just amazing. I love that. I agree. I agree. And you're right. I think there are a lot of things that you can take away from what you learn in a, in a theater class whether it be on the tech side or on the performance side that you can use in your everyday life. And I think people just, I think people just don't, they just don't realize that it can help you with public speaking. It can help you with, you know, one of the, the funny things was when I worked for, I worked for a church and I had to present a balanced budget because I was a business manager and my grandmother, God love her, would say to me, I am just so impressed with you that you can, that you could balance a budget like that. And I'm like, 
I was the artistic director for a theater for three years. I had to do it. Yep. And I learned I had to do it. (laughs) It's just on a larger scale, but it was true. But I mean, it was true, you know, and then the flip side, it helped me to balance my budget in my personal life. So you do learn, you know, you do learn those things. You do learn those things, you know. Yeah. yeah, If you learn how to use a drill in a, in a tech class, it can help you when you have to build something around your house. And I would tell you that that's actually my passion right now is building things around your house, building things around my house. No, honestly, teaching the gospel of what theater gives you that, that is a hundred percent my passion. Where are you teaching right now? So right now I'm at Lewis and Clark middle school and one of the things about middle school is, in my personal opinion, this is this is my pedagogy and not necessarily everybody's. But in my personal opinion, if you learn it in middle school, it should apply to everyone, no matter what job you're going to go into, because they're children. They're seventh and eighth graders. They don't necessarily need to know advanced physics or, you know, the jargon of one type of job over another. They don't have to be phlebotomists or learn to take blood. They need things that that are foundations for everything in your life so that as they decide what they want to be, they can continue to build on that strong foundation. And I think that theater gives that. I love what I teach. And and today we did an activity that I call water cooler wisdom, which is the last activity we did. What do I want you to take away from that? No matter what job you ever become, you ever enter into being a good audience member, being a respectful audience member. That helps you at the dinner table when you are chatting with mom and dad, because if you actually pay attention and listen, then and you give energy back as you're paying attention and listening, then when you ask mom to take you to the mall later, she's more likely to actually drive you because you weren't a jerk at dinner the whole time on your phone. If you pay attention in your classroom and give energy back, not just sort of pay attention, but also smile and giggle at the bad joke. Tell your professor it was bad, but say, hey, I I was there. I heard your bad joke. You start to create a relationship where you learn more. If you are in a business meeting, that is going to get you noticed by your boss. Whether you are going to be a lawyer or work at a dot com or be an accountant, being a good audience member matters. I think it's the same with that ability to confidently get up and speak. And knowing that the people who are great on stage didn't just randomly get up there and learn that they practiced. And if you think through a plan and you practice something and you try it again and you mess up and you make brilliant mistakes that teach you something, you'll get better at it. If that's all you learn from my class is that screwing up in the corner during our many, many rehearsals that I keep making you do makes you better at something. Great. Take that into math class and then screw up on a few problems and get better at it. I have kids that tell me at the first day, I'm never getting on stage. I can't do it. I'll die. I'm terrified. But they all do. I just think that there's so much that theater teaches us. Every Friday right now, my students have a production meeting, my honor students, and they have to sit around the table at their production meeting And they have to tell everybody what their crew worked on, how it affected the other crews and what they're going to do next week. They have to articulate themselves. They have to advocate for themselves. They have to say why our part of the budget, you know, all 12s of dollars that I have should go to them. That's a skill that if they if they never do theater again, but instead they 
they work in retail, that they will use that communication piece. They have to delegate and train the other people on their team. I just, I'm really passionate about theater being something that is for everybody and that teaches things to everybody. Well, and starting out with doing that in middle school, I think is a great foundation then for high school and then college and and going on, like you said. And we are in such a time in our life right now where communication is not as important. Verbal communication, I guess, would be the best way of saying it. We can communicate. Boy, can we communicate on Twitter and we can communicate on social media and Snapchat and all of that stuff. And I love that stuff. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But we have, uh, as a society, have lost the art of a good verbal conversation. And kids especially have have lost that. So I think what you're teaching uh, provides a great, great foundation for that. Well, and it's fantastic for learning to really listen to people. And what? It, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. You. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. We have this ability right now in society to just kind of shut off the things we don't like or or not listen to other sides or not be a part of things that we aren't really interested in or, or not listen. And one of the things that I think theater continues to give us because of the collaborative nature, because of the techies and the actors and, and the business manager, all of us working together, what we found is that when you are working towards a common goal, you see humanity in people. And you move forward with people. And I always build my honors class specifically with a variety of different people, with different skills, with different ideas, with different abilities to maintain friendships. And every year they start out clicky because they're kids. And we and I naturally do this. I will sit with the same group of teachers at every staff meeting unless my principal tells me, you know, go mingle a little bit. They start out incredibly clicky. And at the end of the year, especially during tech week of our big show, everybody's giving up their lunch to come in and paint and and do added little bonus things. One example is last at the end of last year, a young lady who is a little more popular was sitting and painting a set during her lunch with a gentleman who constantly rubbed everyone the wrong way and never was able to communicate his ideas without ticking somebody off. And she looked at him and she said, I did not get you at the beginning of this year. But right now, I kind of get you. But that was this huge moment. And it was a huge moment for this gentleman because we had had some conversations about branding and maybe the way he was branding himself. And like, I get your sarcasm, but maybe. But they saw each other. And it was because of working towards a common goal and having a common thing to work on and, and create together. But theater gives us that. And I tell my students every year that it's not that if you have different skills, I want you around. It's that based on your different skills, I need you. It is not a want. If you are fantastic at math and numbers line up in your head correctly, I need you on my accounting team so I don't get divorced. (laughs) If you are the person who loves to dive into the Internet and search and search and search and search, I need you to be my dramaturg because I can't grade papers all day and teach and look up the information about this. If you have a visual side that allows you to paint and bring something to life, 
I desperately need you to come and create the magic of the place in our in our theater. With theater, it's not about wanting different personalities. We need each other desperately. And I love that. It makes me happy. I think it's I think it's absolutely amazing that you can identify all of those kids. Typically, how many kids do you have working on a production? I'm one of those. If you want to learn, I want you to be there kind of teachers. And in in eighth grade, it's a little bit easier because truly I am working on fostering these other ideas. They need to go someplace else to really dive into the craft itself. I'm really the big picture person. But in our all school musical, I'll have 90 and it'll be ridiculous and chaotic and Uh, There'll be a crew of orchestra kids practicing over here and a crew of kids painting on the carpet that I've specifically asked them to not (laughs) paint near and a crew of kids in the back teaching each other how to use drills. And I mean, it's a mess and it's chaos and it's brilliant and I just love it and it feeds me so much. But but there'll be 90 in a production. How many productions do you do a year? So we're up to three. We've built ourselves up to three. So our all school production is where we'll have 90 or so. And that we just open up to anybody who wants to do theater and come try it. Middle school should be the time that you go to chess club and you're in football and you do theater and you do quiz bowl. Like, I think you should try everything in middle school. And I love that they still have that kind of sense of wonder and that I can. And so I want everybody. And then we just added a melodrama, which we're going to try to do yearly. And that was a fantastic, fun opportunity. And we kept it really small this year. So there were just 12 kids that were working consistently on that. And, and again, they I have my stage managers keep me involved and my painters. They all have a crew head. There's an ownership that they have. My painter just yelled at me yesterday that I had not accomplished my to do list and gotten her the paint that she needs. And how is she supposed to move forward if she can't even prime the flat? She's 13. Wow. <laughs> uh, and that's on our last show, which is our honors show. And that's my eighth grade honors class. That's a year round class. And they learn a little bit about everything in that. And they they choose the show themselves. They are the entire crew. They advertise the show. My publicity team just finished writing three commercials for their upcoming production. There's about 35 that participate in that one. Do the kids write the melodramas or do you have a resource that you use for that? We've only done the one so far and I went ahead and chose one that was already written because I needed to scale some things for the first time that we did the production. Sure. We had a fantastic playwright who had been working at the Rose and Young Playwrights and that was her passion last year. And so she wrote the prologue to one of our productions. And then I've got another young woman right now who is a playwright and passionate about that. And so she's writing a kind of mini prologue. It's sort of our our audience speech at the beginning, but she's writing it in the style of the show that we're doing and, and giving some other kids an opportunity to get on stage a little bit more because of that. Where do you see your theater program going in the next five years? What would you like to accomplish? I think for me, I just want to keep getting better. I've found 
more and more ways to break down the skills of theater and all of the skills of theater into ways that kids can understand. And so and and my kids have been helping me. We're, we're writing this handbook so that the next stage manager passes it on to the current stage manager to teach the skills because I can't teach all of the people everything that they need. So for me, continuing to find these ways to really break it down for each individual kid, because truly right now, the thing that is stopping kids from working is my time and energy. I mean, I told you about my painter and then the head of my light crew came up to me and said, we put on OneNote our ideas for all of the scenes and the color schemes, and you have not approved or disapproved those yet. And we really can't move forward until you finish that. And I love it. I love the ownership that they have, but I am limited as a single human being to give them more. And so I want to really document each of these pieces so that they can move forward with with less energy for me, because the only thing holding my kids back right now is me. You're the one, though, that that directs the play. You don't have like a student director. I don't have a student director. I do have two student kind of assistant directors. And what they do is their job is really to focus on the detail skills that everybody needs. So after I've directed something, they take the scene out into the hallway the next day and they run it and give the kids the practice that they need in terms of running it. They work on volume. They help kids learn their lines so that they they go through those things to help the actors become more comfortable And then when they bring it back to me, some of those things are knocked out and then I can focus on detail type of skills. So they aren't directing per se, but they are completely crucial. Sure, sure. As far as like the technical side, like like you said, with like your stage manager and and having the stage manager come up with like, you know, a set of guidelines to then teach the next person. So obviously there was some point when you had to teach that person. So is that something that happens during your production or do you have like units during the school year that focus on those things? Yes and yes. All of my kids, when you come into the first class, learn how all of the pieces of theater fit together, why we need the office, the business management side, why we need the tech side, all of that. Then in the honors class, we go through units and, and learn about each of them. And, and most of the kids pick two that they're really passionate about and they kind of dive in to those. Those units aren't where I want them yet. It is a lot of it's a lot of me kind of jumping in at the time and fixing problems as they come, which is great. And it's useful and relevant because they're solving the problem at that time. But there are things that I could knock out beforehand. So like just this this year, the young lady who was learning how to be the head of the run crew in our first production, I taught her and then she made videos on how to spike a set and how to make a plot for each scene. And so now we're putting those videos together into a unit and she's teaching the next young man who's doing it now. So I want to just flesh each of those out and get them a little more specific and and go through them because they are still eighth graders too. You know, there's things I would have said that, that they didn't say, Sure, but they're so brilliant doing that. But it is a little bit of both. My little stage manager last year, not little, the powerful, brilliant young woman who was one of my stage managers last year had a day off from school because the high schools had a different day off. And so she came just to hang out and work. 
And we were right in the middle of the chaos of hairspray. So she's a freshman. She's a freshman in high school. Okay. So last year she was one of your students. She had a day off from high school. So she came to hang out with you. She came to hang out and was just, just playing. And I barely had time to really say hi to her. We were in the middle of things, you know, quick hug. How are you? I'm glad to see you. And I said, you know what? You already know how to do this job over here. So can you just go down and help? We had borrowed a number of things from a one of the high schools, and we always like to document that and take pictures of each of the items and then put it into OneNote so that we can find them to give them back. And I said, instead of me teaching that, can you go do that? She said, sure. She disappeared for two and a half hours, came back. Hey, I got to go. I'm sorry. I didn't get to talk to you, but my mom's outside. I'm going to go. I went back after school. She had taught the props mistress how to mark out a props table. She had made sure that they had an inventory list for every prop. She had cleaned my desk because it was not up to her standards. And she had inventoried and shown the costume people how to inventory all the pieces we had brought. And it's that kind of thing where they're teaching each other. And isn't that what theater is? Like people, you come in and you're new and somebody teaches you the ropes and then you own it and you have this ownership. And then you teach the next person who comes in and you welcome them with open arms. Definitely. I just love that. Definitely. Well, and you know, and that is the the definition of community. Right. Right. You learn. And I think it's a testament to what you're doing because you have built such a great rapport with your students that they feel comfortable enough to come back and hang out. And it's probably something that you can continue to utilize with your students going forward and say, hey, you know, this is putting the bug in your ear. This is the next show. You know, this is where it hits at this time of year. If it hits during your spring break, you know, we could always use you. Can you come back, pass your knowledge on to the next? That's something you can also use as a tool. And, and I'm not, you're a teacher. You, you shouldn't even have to listen to what I'm telling you, but you can I use like all ideas. <laughs> bring it. You can use it with your current kids to say, you know, you need to learn this. Be aware of it now because I may lean on you in the future to come back and teach the kids that come after you. And there's there's pros and cons to that. And I I always tell the kids that I want them and I want them to come back. And I have an email list and I send out the information to the kids. But one of the kids this just this last show, she was a seventh grader and she's wide eyed and she's excited and, and she's she's dived right in. She's in three crews and doing 19 things and she's amazing. And, and afterwards, she said, Miss Wig, I'm going to be here every year from now on and I'm going to be coming back and seeing the show. And I looked at her and I said, I, I don't think you will. And I don't want you to feel guilty when you don't. And I saw her mom kind of perk up and she was kind of like, what are you telling my daughter? What do you mean? You don't want her here. And I said, you know what? You are such a powerhouse and you have to move forward. There's going to be a time that this middle school department is not big enough for you. I love that you love it. And I love that you want to be here. And I'm going to use every single ounce of your talent until you go. But don't feel guilty that when you're a sophomore and you don't have time to come back because you're doing stuff at your theater. Right. And that is their job. Like they really should grow up and not need me anymore. Exactly. That they should go on and take the skills that they've learned from you and apply them uh, when they're in high school and then learn from the teachers there. And add to that knowledge. Add to that knowledge. Exactly. And invest themselves in that building because that's part of being that community. Yes. But it is sad, too, because you know that they are going to outgrow you. Yeah. And they should. Right. Do you ever have the desire to get back on stage again? Yes and no. 
I love rehearsals. I am so passionate about rehearsal and I don't have as much passion about the run of the show. Although, you know, you still get to hang out with the amazing people that you got to hang out with during rehearsal. And so there's beauty to that. I have found in my life that my my joy doesn't come necessarily from performing. I love figuring out a character that deeply inspires me. And, and I do love a short run of a show, but but it is that community and that figuring things out together and that problem solving that I love. And so I don't have the same pull to get back on stage that my husband does. Weirdly, the one thing I would like to do is I'd like to try to do a musical sometime. I stopped singing about senior year of high school. I started listening to the people who had perfect pitch and, and just assumed that everybody should know that and shouldn't have to work at it. And I, I had nerves and, and I kind of freaked myself out and said that I wasn't good enough to do it. And so I stopped singing for about 10 years and I got the chance to start singing again at my church. And I really enjoyed that. And I'm still not, I still don't have perfect pitch and I still have to work at it really, really hard. And I still struggle with things like harmonies, but I really love it and enjoy it. And I haven't tried that on and it scares me. And I think that's why I need to go and try to do at least one musical where I, where I really am a part of something there, maybe just for my own edification. Outside of high school, correct me if I've asked you this already. Did you and Chris, Chris is your husband, outside of high school, because I'm sure you guys probably performed in plays together because you met in high school, but did you perform in anything together outside of high school? Well, we performed the monologues yes. that were written. Yes. Uh, you weren't on stage at the same we time, but, but same you were in the same show. We got to rehearse at nearly the same time, which <laughs> yeah. was really exciting for us. <laughs> and our and our two scenes kind of piggybacked off of each other, which exactly. was really, really fun. It was fun. But but no, we really haven't performed. And, and a lot of it has been that. Oh, no, that's not true. That's a huge lie. I completely just lied to you and everyone listening. We toured together after college. I was working for the Rose on tour and we, we toured with Amelia Bedelia together. Okay. Yes. Okay. We had just gotten engaged because I started crying and told him I didn't think that we should go on tour together unless we were engaged because I had some weird feeling about that being inappropriate. I don't know. It was a long time ago. And I was in the car and bawling and saying, we need to get engaged and you haven't even thought about it. And then he opened his glove box and said, woman. First things first, I've had this and already asked your dad, you want to marry me? <laughs> that is the, the real story. But then we, we toured together. And when you love someone and you haven't really lived with them before because you've had a relationship apart, I was in college and he was touring with the Rose. You learn a lot about each other when you are driving six hours and being navigator for each other while driving and then unloading the truck together. And then going through tech rehearsal and then performing three shows back to back. And then your only free time is with this person as well. You really that that relationship is forged in the fires of tour and you learn a lot about each other. At one point, I was so in pain. I didn't realize it was my wisdom teeth, but I almost couldn't open my jaw. And I was taking Tylenol PM to fall asleep during the drives. I was not driving at the time. But I, I couldn't speak and I was in so much pain that I just had to had to go to sleep. And then if I was on stage, I, I could get through the show when I if, uh, on stage. But then I was I couldn't do anything else. And one of the times 
we showed up and everybody else got out to unload the truck and he hijacked me and took me to the emergency room in Cincinnati, Ohio, and had me get my wisdom teeth extracted on the road. And he didn't give me any options. He was like, nope, this is what we're doing. You're getting this solved right now. And but that's you also, love, baby. That's love. Exactly. Like you learn that sometimes you have to tell someone that they're going to the doctor, whether they like it or not. And with Chris's job, he probably doesn't get a chance to get on stage as much as he would like. No, and he's he really needs it. And I'm somebody who at least has that creative piece always at my job. So I'm always creating theater and and working with theater, even if I'm not on stage. And he's somebody who every now and then I'll look at him and I'll say, you are driving me crazy. You got to go do a show because I cannot handle how desperately you need to be creative. But he does do spoken word around town. He does storytelling and that is helpful. It allows him to go out and do that performance piece, but then also handle being at home. You know, one of us needs to be at home with the kids and and we have to be present as parents. That's one of the reasons I stopped doing high school theater was I couldn't be present as a mom. My three-year-old said, why aren't you ever here when fun stuff happens? And I was like, oh, I'll just take this out of my heart and we'll find some other job options. But that that allows us to kind of balance that. And we but full shows are hard for for us to do right now. Do your children share your love of theater? Do they have the passion to be on stage that you and Chris have? They're definitely theatrical young people. My oldest really likes to do his performing in the form of he does documentaries for History Day and then he likes to present those and he likes to stand up in front of the crowd and talk about the knowledge that he's gained from something he's researched. Um, He's going to be a dramaturg. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. But he was funny after last year because they went to the same high school that I or the middle school that I teach at. And um, he said, he said, oh, I get it, mom. If you're a techie and you do lighting design. Then during the actual show, you get to have this small role go on stage and then hang out backstage with the people. This is awesome. I was like, you have figured it out, friend. Uh, So he did lighting design for The Outsiders. And then my youngest is actually in the advanced drama class right now. And he loves sound, actually. Sound design has been his passion. But he also loves to dance. And he is actually going to get on stage for the show. He is going to be a martial arts defense attorney in the production we've got coming up soon. So very nice. Very exciting stuff. (laughs) Very exciting stuff. All right. I'm going to ask you some questions. What is your favorite color? Right now it's purple. I've been leaning towards purple lately. Like a deep purple or more of like a lavender or kind of any purple. I don't like them to get too light and too bluey. Okay. I, I guess I like a deeper, redder purple overall, but, but really there's a lot of purples I like. If you could turn back time. Oh, great if share. So. turn back time. Who is someone that you would like to have lunch with if you could turn back time? I know that you could choose so many things, but honestly, I would really like to have lunch with my grandma and grandpa that I never really got to know. To know who were these passionate, powerful people who created my parents, which are passionate, powerful people. So I would kind of like to get to know them. I never really got to meet them. What is your favorite word? Serendipity. Ooh, I like it. Which I just found out was named for the Serendip brothers who were weirdly lucky. (laughs) So it's kind of like that whole malapropism type of thing that's from a show, but they were real people. What's your favorite form of theater? 
I love any theater that people have worked together well. So my favorite form of theater is the healthy kind where we work together well. But I don't care if it's a musical or avant-garde or whatever. Is there a show that you could see you and Chris doing together? I think we'd have fun in something like Noises Off. I think we would like being weird together. Oh my gosh, we were on stage together and Babe the Sheep Pig too. And I was his mom. I really That's weird. It was really weird and rehearsals were weird and we made it weird. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. We've you been together for we've been together a lot. I have forgotten our entire marriage. I think. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Love you. I don't even know where to go with that now. I know. Um, <laughs> this is a therapy session, right? It, it is a therapy session. Bucket list roll for you. Anything? I think I would like to do Trina from Falsettos. I'm not really right for it in that her harmonies are so difficult. Like it would take me a lot of work to do it. But doing the song Breaking Down, that just I I feel her pain trying to balance everything in her life. I I'm drawn to I'm drawn to exhausted mothers. <laughs> if there was something if if they told you tomorrow that that you could retire with like a huge pension, you wouldn't need to go back and teach again. Wouldn't that be lovely? And you could come up with like a second profession. What would you want to do? I'd still teach, but I would do it knowing that I had chosen it and my family was comfortable without it. I think it's almost more the luxury of going to work because you want to and not because you need to that I would want. And it's not the change of profession that I would want. I love working with kids and we do a project every year where the kids tell their story and 35 other kids listen to who these people are and see them as real full people. And I want more of that always. 20 years from now, you run into one of your former students in the grocery store. What would you like them to say to you besides hi, Miss Wig? <laughs> right. Just, oh, they know me. Neat. Honestly. I already get some of this. I have kids that have told me that I taught them confidence and that I helped them know who they were. About four months ago, well, maybe six months ago now, a group of North High School kids from 10 years ago took me out to a bar and they they bought me drinks and then they said it was really weird drinking with their teacher. And they're like 36 and have kids, you know, uh, well, maybe they're 28 and have kids. But they just said that they had a community and that they learned that they were confident and they learned that they could handle things and that they learned that they were important. And I just like, I'll take it. Thanks. Saying I, I learned to problem solve and push through. I would take that. Absolutely. Because I think that's in any job that you decide to do. Right. And it's in parenting, you know, show up and you had a bad day and had a bad rehearsal and you show up in the next day and then you create magic out of it. I love that. Kate Wig, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I really am excited. Thank you for listening to the Thank You Five podcast with original theme music by Tim Vallier. For more information about tonight's guest, please visit www.thankyoufivepod.com. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And remember that right now, somewhere in the world, a stage manager is saying, five minutes to curtain. Thank you, five. Thank you, five.
Thank you, five. Thank you, five. Thank you, five. That's the other docket.